0: You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Um, This morning we're going to talk about mentoring. It's one of the things that wasn't present in that scene, right? One of the things that that is clearly not there with syndrome. He talks, he talks to Mr. Incredible about how I saw what you were doing, and you were my biggest, you know, I was your biggest fan. And he's like, it wasn't happening. It didn't happen. He told him, told him to move away. Um, this last week, I had a birthday. And <clears throat> since I'm on, on Facebook, and Facebook tells everybody else that, you know, if you put your birthday out there, then everybody else knows that it's your birthday. And so... Uh, all day long, there little you know, there were notifications, whatever, and I should have turned some notifications off because it was just like happening. And it was a, it was a great blessing. It was, it was fun to, to see people from all over, you know, um, well, even some from different places of the world that I've connected with at some point in life, say happy birthday, take just a couple of minutes and not even that, just a couple of seconds really, and just say happy birthday, shoot a little birthday notification there. It was it was a real blessing. The thing I found myself doing as I read those and I scrolled through those and I saw those names and saw their faces, whatever it was, I began uh, to go back to the point uh, a point in time or maybe to a memory where their name or their their face where we connected, we intersected. And so I had I had people um, who are who are much older than me that wish me happy birthday. I have I've people that are my same age, friends that I grew up with, people that we hung out as as kids that wished me happy birthday, and then there were a few people that I've met along the way or just briefly connected with, and Anna's like, who is that person? And I said, oh, that's, you know, describe the connection, and she's like, really, you know them? And I'm like, I don't know, but it's great that they wished me happy birthday. I'll take it from wherever it comes. I'll take it. One of the striking things about all that was to think about, especially some of those who who are older than me, some of the people who wish me a happy birthday that have been really significant in my own life, really different from what we see there. Instead of walking away, as Mr. Incredible did, to who eventually becomes his, his nemesis in the film, but people who who saw something in me, or they saw something happening, and they, they said something, um, even, even just little things. Like uh, my, my eighth grade science teacher, and then he was a science teacher for a number of years, uh, Send me, send me a message, and I, I wrote a message back to him. I said, uh, thanks, thanks Bart, for, for your wishes. And you ought to know that the things you've called me since, since I was in eighth grade have impacted me um, throughout the rest of my life. You know, my parents gave me my name, but my science teacher and basketball coach, he started calling me, me Duke. And that's been a nickname that, um, that stuck with me for a long time. Anna, still today, from time to time, will call me She'll call me Duke, and I'm like, that's a significant impact, right? But then when I, went, when I was a junior in high school, he, he started calling me Rev, and I'm like, why are you doing that? You know, what, what do you see? But he just, he saw some stuff happening in my life, he, and he spoke it out. And I'm going to guess that, that each and every one of us um, have had somebody along the way that has made that kind of contribution, Right? into your life they've seen something in you they've spoken a word and it's something that is really significant to you and you know how significant that that having mentors in your life is to you think about how important mentoring is to the world in which we live today it's critical it's it's pivotal because though we can look at what happens on the screen with mr incredible and syndrome that's a way of how we see mentoring that doesn't step up to the plate. But what happens when mentoring doesn't step up to the plate in real life, in the lives that we lead? We see, we see a lot of people who have talent, who have God-given gifts, who don't put them into play in the ways in which God has intended them to do. And then we see people who could have so much, their lives could, could be so good for themselves, but so contributing to others, but they're missing a mentor. They're missing somebody to come alongside and be that person. Um, we know that mentoring here on the, on the Schweitzer campus is really critical, really important. Over the, the last several years, we've begun along the way to say, you know what, this person here or our, there's a group of people here who need a mentor, and so we've begun to, to put a number of pieces in, into play where we're connecting people one-on-one or, or maybe in a group setting with other people. Recently, a number of us who were on staff were talking about all this mentoring that was happening, and we realized that there is a big need for mentoring. And So on the front of your bulletin and, and on the screen, we've got a, a pie that shows right now where mentoring is happening at some level. Sometimes it's an official kind of mentoring, and sometimes it's an unofficial kind of mentoring. But we realize that mentoring is happening on this campus in a lot of different venues. And we also know that a number of you are serving as mentors in different places off campus. And one of the things we want to say is uh, we see that, we know that, and it is it's incredibly important. We also know that we, we need to get better at mentoring. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about today is, is how to get better. And I want to, at the end of the day, invite you to an event that if you are a mentor, if you're interested in mentoring, um, if you're serving as a mentor, whether on campus or off campus, that you would come to an event that's upcoming in March. And we're, we'll call it Upgrade Your Mentoring. And we'll talk about the details in just a mo- moment. But first thing is, you just see how mentoring is a, is a big reality of what's happening here on campus. And, and it's a big reality that God uses in a lot of different ways. One of the things God uses mentors for is to connect us to himself. Connect us to His kingdom and and bring about that sense of inclusion. Last week, Pastor Bob had a wheel that he he used as a graphic, where he talked about how there's a growth pattern w- with us, and Jake talked about it too, a growth pattern that God can can put us on where He connects Him to Himself initially, and then and then we can grow in faith. and And one of the things Pastor Bob mentioned in his in his sermon last week was that oftentimes uh, our ability to either enter into the, into the growth, into the stream, initially get connected to God, or then even to grow, often comes about as we rub shoulders with other people. It might hunches that most of us, most of us got to watch somebody follow after Christ. And we got to, we got to see, um, we got to see somebody else have a passion for Jesus before we were ever at that place of having a passion for Jesus. But as we watched somebody else, there was this, this wonderful work of God that was at play in our own lives, where God was simply drawing us unto himself as we watched somebody else follow him. That's part of how God's economy works. It doesn't begin there or, or end there. The Apostle Paul, in three of his, three of his significant letters to, um, to Philippi, to Colossae, and Ephesus, begins each of those letters with a line, a certain line, to each of of those churches. He says, I'm writing to the saints. Now one of the one of the interesting things about that comment that he's writing to the saints is that if you read through the letters, you'll find in a pretty short order that there are people in each of those places. There are people in the churches. There, There are folks there who are struggling uh, they've got issues where they're like, what does it mean to follow Jesus in the place I am now and, and what I'm doing? And so as you read through the letters, you'd be like, you would be may come away with this, with this understanding that Paul writes to the saints, but the people who are there are not yet saints. But Paul has this sense, and God has this sense, that not only does he, he know the significance about having us watch somebody initially connect with, with Christ... But he really wants us to see people and he wants us to be around people who have the big vision that God has for us that each and every one of us, each and every one of us is meant to be a saint, somebody who loves God fully and somebody who loves other people. And we often see that, we often see that borne out to us as we see it borne out in the life of somebody else. At Christmas time, we talk about the significance of the incarnation of Jesus taking on flesh and living among us. And the incarnation wasn't and isn't only about that one particular time and place. Certainly, there's, very something, there's something very unique about the person of Jesus being the incarnate word of God, but, but Paul will talk about how we're supposed to take on the very nature of Christ, the very image of Christ, and bear that into the world in which we live. See, God uses he uses relationships. He uses us when we connect with one another to draw, him into, to draw us into himself and to... And to set before us a pattern of what we're meant to be. We're meant to be saints in the world. The other thing that God uses mentoring for mentoring is really significant because we all run into places along the way, seasons of life, short moments where we need guidance, where we need wisdom. I got a phone call on my birthday. It came from a friend of mine who gave me this cup. This is a case tractor cup. Some of you, uh, you know that I, I've got a couple of tractors at my house. I like tractors. This cup came from Roger Brookens, and, and Roger called me up on the phone on my, my birthday to wish me a happy birthday because he's not on social media. But Roger is an expert when it comes to tractors. Um, he worked on my tractor. He was the first one to get it running and get it, get it going. And he's always interested about my tractor. So whenever I have a problem with my tractor, I have somebody who's an expert, somebody who's a mentor to me, Right. In that arena of life Edward Smither, who's a writing about, he was writing a book about Augustine, talked about uh, how Augustine was a mentor to a number of different people, and before he got there, he talked about, like what a, a def- definition of a mentor is, where he said, "A mentor is somebody who's got a significant experience or knowledge or skill that they can impart to a novice in an atmosphere of discipline, commitment and accountability." Um, mentors. Roger always keeps me accountable when he calls me and he asks me about my tractor. It's like, you know, is it still running right or things like that. Um, some mentors will, will ask you other questions of accountability. But Roger always shares his sense of his wisdom, his insight. Um, in the scriptures, we find that good mentors do that. They share their life. They share their insight. They share their story. They share, um, they share the fullness of their life. We're gonna read one of those stories that comes to us out of the book of Exodus. And it's the story of Moses and Jethro. And Moses um, was a guy chosen by God to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. Jethro happens to be his father-in-law. Moses met Jethro when he was about 40 and for 40 years he, he walked alongside Jethro. He lived in, in Jethro's encampment. And then God called Moses to go lead the, the people of Israel. So Moses did that, but his family stayed with Jethro. And so Jethro, knowing that Moses and the people have moved out of Egypt, that they're in, they're in the wilderness, uh, has a couple of reasons to visit. One, he wants to return Moses' family to him. And secondly, he just wants to hear what God has been up to. And so in the middle of the story, we're going to pick up with these verses from Exodus 18. Exodus 18. The next day, Moses took his seat to hear the people's disputes against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, what are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I'm the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. "'I inform the people of God's decrees "'and give them his instructions. "'This is not good,' Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. "'You're going to wear yourself out and the people too. "'This job is too heavy a burden for you "'to handle all by yourself. "'Now listen to me and let me give you a word of advice "'and may God be with you. "'You should continue to be the people's representatives "'before God, bringing their disputes to him. "'Teach them God's decrees and give them his instructions. "'Show them how to conduct their lives.' But select from the people some capable, honest people who fear God and hate bribes. Appoint them as leaders over groups of 1,000, and 10. They should always be available to solve the people's common disputes. But have them bring the major causes to you. Let the leaders decide the smaller matters themselves. They will help you carry the load, making the task easier for you. If you follow this advice, and if God commands you to do so, then you will be able to endure the pressures, and all these people will go home in peace. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice, and he followed his suggestions. Um, Along the top of the header of your bulletin, you not only see the graphic where there's a a number of things where mentoring is taking place, but you also see a number of values and Um, one of of the things we see in these values is that these are values that pop up throughout Scripture. When somebody's engaged as a mentor, when somebody's involved with um, leading somebody else, they tend to reflect these values that you see on the screen. And, And we not only see them across Scripture, but we also see them taking place in this encounter between Jethro and Moses. That sense of contagious faith. Jethro comes along and he's a priest of a minion. He's, he's been somebody who's led others in worship, but he wants to know in that moment when we encounter him, uh, he wants to know what God has been up to. He's expecting of God to do something in the life of Moses, in the life of, of his people. And and that's one of the things that, that we really look for, that make great manners. people who have contagious faith, who expect God to be at work in in the lives of other people right now. The good manners expect God to be doing something good and something fresh, and they, they look for it. This past week, um, a week ago, there was a barbecue with Bob. And, and after the barbecue, we take a tour of the campus. And one of the people that was on the tour was a little guy who had, had uh, been a part of Grow to Know. And he was excited to be up and seeing classes where he he had uh, hung out for a while during his preschool times. And he was telling stories. He was telling me a couple of stories. And as we were talking then with with everybody at, at one point, we talked about how the kids in Grodano, they learn scripture songs and they take those scripture songs and they sing them and they sing them in all kinds of places with their parents. And so we hear about that. The Grodano office continues to hear about the songs that they sing. And then we also, from time to time, we'll hear stories about parents saying, you know what? Our, our kids have become insistent that we pray at meals, like, because they say, we pray at Grodano before we eat. And so we need to pray now. And they become insistent. And one of the beautiful things about about mentoring is that mentoring doesn't necessarily rely on age, right? Um, you, can, you can be at a point where you're open or you're, you're somebody who's just further along the road, if you're, if you're further along the road, and, and these kids, they end up telling their parents, like, we've got to pray, and then these parents are like, yeah, we've got, to, we've got to pray. And kids are at a very unique place of, of having this sense of contagious faith, and there's something about that that gets stirred up in the life of a, of a family contagious faith. Oh, go back. Don't, yeah, put that back up there. Just leave it up there. Sorry. Um, uh, Jethro's trustworthy. Moses's, his wife and his sons have been hanging out at Jethro's house. Is that snowing? (laughs) Lord have. Wow. Sorry. Jethro's probably more trustworthy than, than the weather people, I guess. I don't know. Uh, I didn't expect that. To, wow. Uh, anyway, uh, he's trustworthy. Moses can trust him. He's authentic. When, when Jethro shows up and even when, when Jethro has that conversation about, you know, I don't really, what you're doing here, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to jive. It seems like it's taking way too much time. You've got way too many people you're trying to do with. Jethro's also authentic. Because he's not trying to take Moses' job. He's not trying to step into Moses' shoes. He's not even trying to live out Moses' responsibility. Jethro knows who he is. There's no sense of false self with Jethro. He just, he's an authentic personality. And his authentic, his, his the capacity to be authentic gives him tremendous credibility with Moses in that moment. Uh, March the 9th, put on your calendar. We'd love for you to be here. March the 9th in this place, 6 o'clock. It's a Thursday night. Jobs for Life is, is holding a graduation ceremony. And one of the things that I always love about watching Jobs for Life, that graduation, is you get to see authenticism on display between people who've been students and people who've been champions. And oftentimes the, the champions, <clears throat> they're first, they're the they're they're the ones who serve as mentors. We just changed their name for them in that it's a programming thing. I don't I don't understand it. But anyway, the champions, they often introduce the person who's been a student. And then they speak about how they've watched the student grow and there's an, an authentic speaking in to the person's life that is, is marvelous. And then the student has an opportunity to respond and they talk about all the things that they've learned. I always come away from those events knowing that uh, there's been something beautiful of the mystery of God unfolding over about an eight-week period of time. And it happens because people are authentic, and they open up their lives, and God does something really incredible in that moment. So we'd love to invite you to the next graduation, March the 9th. And if you're interested in being a champion, it's a great place to to see on display what it means to be a champion in that place. And if you think that you might make a good student in JFL, it's a great time to figure out what it would look like if you were to be on the other end of being a JFL student. So um, there's authenticism within, with Jethro. Jethro is also somebody who opens himself up, and he's somebody who keeps learning. Uh, in the opening pages, uh, or in the opening little part that we read, Jethro wakes up in the morning, and he begins to watch what Moses does. And he walks around, and he, he takes note of what Moses is doing. He's just very interested. And then he begins to ask questions. See, Jethro's just trying to understand the situation, what, what it looks like. And he, he stays a learner in that moment. Mentors that have been impactful for you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, the mentors that have been impactful for you have been people that have always had this mind, this passion to be people that have, are continuing to learn things for their own life because they know that they are people that need to grow too. Um, Jethro takes, takes a risk. He's a risk taker. Now, how would you like to be the father-in-law of of somebody who's leading this great big band of people, Moses. And you know that Moses gets to go up on a mountain and he gets to speak face-to-face with God, and then you see something that's just a little bit out of whack. Most of us would probably say, well, it's not my place, it's not my business, um, and so I'll just keep quiet. But Jethro in that moment doesn't keep quiet. He just says, Moses, I just want just to give you a little observation. Something I've seen, and I wonder if something couldn't, couldn't be adjusted here. He does it with a gentle spirit. He doesn't try to force Moses in, into that. He just does it with a gentle spirit. And I love how in that text, he comes down to the place where he says, and he lines everything out, right? And then he says, so if you think it's good, and if you hear from God, if God commends this to you, his sense of speaking into Moses' life is both risky, but it's done with a gentle spirit. And he knows his own boundaries. He knows that whatever is decided, Moses has to live with. Jethro doesn't have to bear, right? He knows that Moses is really the one who's responsible. And he's also thinking about long-term. I think Jethro looks to the long-term where he thinks about the generations that will come. Because the pattern that Moses is keeping will wear Moses out. But it won't just wear Moses out. It'll wear out everybody else who tries to keep that pattern up down the line. And so Jethro gives Moses, suggests to Moses a line, a plan of action that will really be beneficial to all kinds of people down the road, the people yet to come. So these values that we see on display in Jethro's life are values that we see on display throughout the the rest of the story of Scripture, the rest of God's story. And we know that these values are ways in which um, mentoring can be really good in our own experience. Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, wondered if, if you'd make a good mentor. I would like to suggest to you that if you've got these values, these, these things at work and at play in your own life, then you're in a really good place to begin to be a mentor to somebody else. One of the things we know about that wheel that's on your your, uh, your bulletin, the wheel that's up, we'll put that back up here, is that as we've encountered places where we, we've identified people who need to be connected with somebody else, they need somebody to, to walk with them for a season of time and and, and we've put these things in place, we continue to find that there's a greater need. There's more need. There's always a need for people to come alongside somebody else and become a mentor. And some of that need is reflected here on this campus, and some of that need is reflected where you work and where you live and, and where your kids go to school. There's needs all around us where people need somebody else to be a mentor, to serve alongside of them. So one of the questions I'd ask for you is who's looking, who's looking to you, who's looking your direction, who's, whose eyes are searching for somebody to watch, could you be a mentor in that, in that person's life? Then the other thing we know is that we really need a sense of excellence in mentoring. Um, we've, we've turned a number of people loose here on this campus. And, and they've taken up the challenge of mentoring. And then it's it's not long until they come back to us and they go, I need a little help. I need a little guidance. And so we know that mentors need encouragement. We all need to be encouraged. Mentors need somebody who's who's uh, sharing some of the things about what they've experienced and, and how they can become better at mentoring. And so that's the event that's coming up uh, March 19th and March 25th. We're calling the event Upgrade Your Mentoring. There was a point when I just, I I had eliminated the word grade, and nobody around staff liked what that, what that saying turned out to be. I'll just let you figure that out. Um, so we're calling Upgrade Your Mentoring. That's happening on two different days, March 19th, March 25th. March 19th is a Sunday from 2 to 4, March 25th from 11 to 9. Um, same same uh, material in both days. And if you're involved in mentoring here on this campus, if you're involved in mentoring someplace else, in this community. We would invite you. No, that's too, that's too soft of a word. We would implore you. We would beg you to come and be a part of this event where we, we get better. Everybody in the room gets better at being a mentor. If you're interested in mentoring, you're, if you're not doing it, come to this event. We would really love to see you there. Um, so who's your mentor? Who's the person in your life who's who's leading you, guiding you, and who's the person in your life who's watching you that you need to be a mentor to. Over the past several years, I've had a number of different official mentors in my own life. And then there was one guy that uh, I met on a trip to get ice cream. His name is Rudy Carrasco. We were in a mall in Grand Rapids looking for ice cream, and I had seen Rudy in some other places, like, like in video presentations but I'd never seen him up close and personal. It's a chance meeting. I met him in that place. And we've begun a conversation, and he's become, in my world, an unofficial mentor to me. In fact, he continues to check in with with me because he became a coach for us here for a while, and then I've, I've continued to connect with him. And Rudy's somebody who lives his life at the intersection of deep faith and a deep longing to see communities transformed. And just where I'm at in my life, I know that, that Rudy's a long way down the road from where I think God is leading me and, and, and he's, what God's stirring up in my life. And so I continue to pay attention to what Rudy writes and places where Rudy goes, what Rudy's thinking about. And thank the Lord, he continues, continues to ask how things are going in my life. Um, each and every one of us need to be a mentor, And we need uh, a mentor in our own life. And the the incredible thing is this, friends, is that in God's kingdom, when we open up our hearts to both give and receive, to be givers and receivers, God does something with that open heart where he brings his kingdom close. And he does a great work. And in fact, as Paul envisioned, as Paul imagined, we begin to take steps of faith to the point where we see saints among us, where we become saints. May it be so for you, for me. Amen.